Hello and welcome to the All Things in Common podcast. We are a podcast of conversations among friends on life, love, community, and the impact of the gospel. Each episode, we're going to have conversations about how about important topics of human flourishing and languishing and how the good news of redemption can shape our perspective. My name is Wesley. And my name is Christopher. I'm excited to be here today. I am excited. You are here as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm also excited you're here, I guess. I don't no, no, hey, hey. No, one half of the show, I guess, so I think I guess you need to be here. Yeah, you can't be here if I'm not here, and I can't be here if you're not here, so. Is that hard and fast? Uh, no. No, I actually can't be here <laughs> if you're not here, because I... <laughs> I'm the one that streams it. <laughs> um, but today we are going to be talking about um, noticing the unnoticed is the title of the episode. Last episode, we talked about um, the call of the church to care for the poor, um, but extends beyond that. I think we are called to be a welcoming place for anyone who um, needs a place to be, and especially those that might feel like they don't have a place to be. A place where they can feel belonging. Yeah, that's right. Um, obviously, um, there is uh, not much argument that uh, the church's call to the poor, whether we do it well or not, there's not much argument that um, it is, in fact, the church's call uh, to be with the poor, right? Mm -hmm. Where I think it will sometimes get a little bit tricky for some people is that uh, we are also called to the outsider, to the marginalized. Mm -hmm. And when we begin to see those people, whoever <laughs> right. those people are, mm -hmm. um, for, for our friends who are listening to us, I'm air quoting, but I think you could probably hear it in my voice. Those, those people. Those people. I feel like I need a monocle when I say that. Those. <laughs> you need to be like holding a glass of Chardonnay. The mm, a sniffed a snifter a fancy bourbon that's been aged for decades. Mm, those people. Do you realize we just lost our audience uh, who wear monocles? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, apologies to anyone that wears a monocle. I know that's a bias that people hold against them, um, and I think it's unfair that monocles have been associated with the um, judgy elite. Maybe it's just that they are not rich enough to buy both glasses. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's actually the opposite of what we're associating them with. That's right. Anyway. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, it's harder. <laughs> Back on topic. Yeah. I think Christopher's had a had a long day, and he's getting out his. Uh... Okay, back at it, back at it. So, yeah, so whoever those people are, you know, monocle or no monocle, uh, you know, we sometimes are not particularly happy with having them sitting next to us, right? Mm. Because everybody knows that. Each of us have our own particular places. We like to sit. 
-hmm. If somebody's in our seat, we get a attitude. Listen, yeah. I have parking, uh, you know, right outside my house here. And uh, I get upset when somebody parks in, quote, unquote, my parking spot outside. I don't pay for that parking spot. That's the city spot. But I have, I feel like I have ownership over that. But unfortunately, it's the same way, right? In some of our congregations where it's like, oh, that's my spot. Who does this person think they are? And then don't let it be somebody who is uh, not from our particular status group, mm -hmm. not from our club, not from our fill in the blank. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of ways um, that kind of sneaks in. I mean, just in general, like not just in like where I'm sitting, where's my spot? Because I get similar things. I have, I'm in Pittsburgh, so I have street parking, <laughs> you know, and wherever you park is. Wait know. a minute. Now, I lived in Pittsburgh, one of my favorite cities, if not my favorite city in the whole wide world. <laughs> yeah. What I will say is in Pittsburgh, when there is a snowstorm and you've dug your spot out and you put your lawn chair in that spot. Oh, that's your spot. <laughs> I've seen people almost come to fifth the cuffs because of somebody trying to remove somebody else's lawn chair and park in their spot. Uh, so the lawn chair situation in Pittsburgh, for people that don't know, it, people like there are there's a lawn chair rule, unwritten rule in Pittsburgh that if you put your lawn chair in the street, that is your spot. That's your parking spot. People can't take it. Um particularly I, when it's like dug out it's it, it makes more sense yeah. it makes more sense if it's a dugout in from the snow spot makes a lot less sense on a block where there is no snow and it's completely clear and people just want to park in front of their own house when they don't own that 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 space of land mm -hmm. um and also I just, you know, I mean, it's similar. There are similar things of just, yeah, like, well, what would it mean if I dug out a spot and let someone else have it? Um, mm -hmm. Which might actually, you know, I mean, that's a test of uh, servant, like having a servant heart of just being like, yeah, like I did dig this spot out. I did have this spot and dug my car out of it and left, but. If someone, if it means something that someone else who might be carrying groceries into the house might have a baby in the car, or something like that, that means that they have an easier easier path to get home. Um, then great, like I hope it's a blessing. Um, so, you know, maybe there is a challenge to that to that theory. Uh, but back to the conversation at hand in the church, uh, it's not just about my pew. It's not just about my, you know. Uh, my space, my spot. Um, it's also a my people. Uh, I think we can get a my people complex uh, at the church. And I think we need to understand it's not the only reason this is my people is because it's God's people and God has, has included me. Uh, mm -hmm. And who wasn't originally part of the family, by the way. Mm hmm. Grafted in. Grafted in. Yeah. So, which that is a reference of Jesus um, talking about being the vine and the um, the branches that do not produce fruit get cut off. But um, the non-Jewish people, because Jesus, 
like spoiler alert <laughs> he was the the he was jewish um and his messiahship is through Whoa. jesus was jewish yeah yeah um <laughs> his messiahship is through the god of israel and um the chosen people of israel uh but we who are not jewish who are not israelites are still able to be included grafted in as in like a branch that doesn't belong to that vine is able to then be attached to it and become one with that vine that vine being jesus the um source of life that we have um which again is um the incarnation of the god of israel Mm -hmm. so yeah we are not a part of the people um, we are only a part of the people because God has chosen to, to bring us in. And the branch isn't the one that attaches itself. It has to be attached. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of truth in there of like our understanding of who we are um, and how God has included those that aren't originally part of the quote-unquote the in-group, that aren't part of the people. Um, then who are we to like then sort of gatekeep who can be who can belong mm-hmm. um, and the people of God? Yeah, I think that's I think that's absolutely right. Um, and I say this often, and uh, something that um, I'm holding my own self to mm-hmm. um, is you know we talk a lot about um, and this is. You know, we have these um, these meetings, uh, Wes and I, before you know we do the podcast, and we have a general sense of what we're going to talk about, um, but we never go into deep detail. Uh, and sometimes things come out right, you know, on the spot, and this is one of those things. So I'm throwing you a curveball, Wes. Get ready oh, okay. for it. I'm ready. Um, but I talk about this often. You know, why? You know, you're talking about being grafted in. We talk a lot about life, and it's a good thing. We talk about primarily life in the womb, mm-hmm. and then we'll kind of throw in life um, at the you know at the end towards the end of it. Mm-hmm. But all the way through it, there's a whole <laughs> most of your life is lived before or yeah. after the womb and before you're in hospice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there's so many times where we disregard um, these kind of like life issues in between. And talk about being grafted in, uh, you know, there are children, tons and tons of children who need good homes yeah, and are not being grafted into families that can take them. Now, I can understand not every family has the capacity, mm-hmm. but a lot more do. Mm-hmm. If we begin to rethink about how we uh, go about our lives, absolutely a lot more do. Yeah. And if we bring it back to the church, what, you know, what we're talking about. Um, a lot more churches have capacity to graft in more people mm-hmm. if we change the way we think about things. Yeah. If you look, if you look in like uh, Luke 14, Jesus is telling a parable of like the great banquet, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about, you know, the people who would, would be invited and all sort of kind of stuff. Uh, and then people decide they didn't want to come. Yeah. Right. And so what did, what then does the master of the of the banquet do? Go out to the highways and the hedges, the hedges and the highways, mm-hmm. and compel them to come. And who are these people? People who weren't actually um, 
in the in club, so to speak, people who are on the outside in the margins. For us, people who who started out in the margins, like Wesley said, people who were not originally in God's family, God's chosen people, we need to be at the forefront of getting people at the margins. And so, you know, I guess one of the one of the questions that would come to me, I think, is um, okay. So, if this is something that is uh, vital for us, who are those people at the margins? I tend to think, um, I mean, obviously, you know, there's this idea of uh, class, whether it's poverty, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But then I also think about uh, race. Mm -hmm. I also think about um, people who uh, may be in the same race, but don't share the same, uh, you know, belief systems. I think about um, the quote unquote nerd or the geek, Mm -hmm. like people who it's like, oh man, I don't have anything in common with this person. But guess what? They need Jesus too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the person that can't carry a conversation can't be. I mean, and you know, you might find this hard to believe, but I, uh, for most of my life, was that quiet, awkward, like, kid that um, couldn't, that couldn't get to know um, people because I was so afraid of um, saying the wrong thing, that they would talk, like, I couldn't make eye contact, I couldn't, um, yeah, I just didn't have the confidence enough to get to know somebody, and honestly, one of the reasons I am a Christian today is because somebody came to me and invited me over and said, hey, like, let's be friends, um, let's read the Bible together, and let's, uh, you know, play games in the yard, and through developing that friendship, um that that's what softened me because ultimately I had a lot of sort of um hang ups about Christianity that I think had a lot a lot of cultural baggage um with it. Uh and that friendship helped helped me see um just a true affection and a true love. And uh, I think we can really learn we can really learn about that. Um, because ultimately I do think that we, like, if we're going to come to, if someone's going to come to faith, like, I think it's important that we do make intellectual arguments, um, not because we want to be argumentative, but because there's a reasonableness to the faith that needs to be understood. Um, I think, cause I had been having discussions with this friend and with others about the reasonableness of Christianity, um, before I was a Christian. Mm-hmm. And understanding that it had reasonable foundations helped me to get to that point. But we don't come to faith um, because it's right. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't believe in Jesus because it's right. Um, we believe in Jesus because of love, because he Even loved though it us. is right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, because but but I don't. I think at the very heart of all of us, we don't necessarily care what's right. We care about what, like feels good um depends depends i mean well yeah and i do think when we know something is right right we will have to go through the struggle of um dealing with that (laughs) like if it doesn't feel good Mm -hmm. um but the thing that appeals to us is the guttural is the um 
at the core of it. Like I understood that and for like I understood the resurrection as not just logical but the most likely option. My friend asked, "Well, what do you think about that?" I said, "Yeah, it makes sense, but I don't see why that matters. I don't see why it means anything to me." The only reason it means anything to me is because the resurrection isn't about Jesus saying, hey, look, I'm God, worship me. The resurrection is, hey, I love you. So, yes, it's right. Yes, it matters that it's right. Yes, it matters that we um, honestly assess the rightness of it. But what really, really matters is that if it's right, that means God loves me. If it's right, um, Jesus loves me. And we all... Um, as Christians, like that's the message that we carry. The message we carry isn't, hey, God is real, therefore you have to worship him. The message is, like, God is real, therefore you know you are loved. Um, and it's that message of love. It's the good news. Like, what is good news? Is it good news I have something that's true, that it means you have to do something? <laughs> Or is the good news, I have something um, that's true that, like, can help you where you are, that can meet you where you are and give you a place where you can belong? Yeah, that's right. Um, if Right, because if the message is true, then it automatically elicits some kind of response. Now, the response could be apathy. The response could be rejection. Um, the response could be um, wholehearted embrace. The response could be, you know, tentative, tentative uh, skepticism. You know, there are all sure. kinds of ways, but, but it elicits a response, right? <clears throat> when you believe like that this thing is true, like one of my favorite um, apologists, um, he always asks the question, he says, you know, if Christianity was true, uh, would you believe? And you'd be surprised by how many people say, no. Right. Well, well I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like, well, well, why? I mean, if it's true, well, why? Right? Because the difference is like kind of what you're saying is, mm -hmm. uh, the difference is um, when God captures your heart, that's something different than uh, just mental assent. Yeah. Uh, which we need to get into. But yeah, uh, but you know, once you, you know, once you get to this place where you realize, like, like God loves us, like He showed it through the cross. Mm -hmm. He showed it when He got up the third day. Um, he showed it when He went around and did all these awesome things. He showed it when He turned a sinner like me yeah. around, and He loved me in spite of being unlovable. Yeah. Uh, then my response just kind of has to be like, out of, and it's not out of guilt. It's not out of shame. It's the same mm -hmm. thing with evangelism, right? Sure. It's not because, oh, I feel like this heavy burden I have to do this. No, it's because I love Jesus so much. I'm willing to treat other people with dignity mm -hmm. <laughs> and respect and humanity and invite them to come worship the Lord with me and show them the same thing that I was showed myself. Mm -hmm. Jesus showed um, prostitutes yeah. um, love and respect. Mm -hmm. Jesus showed uh, uh, tax collectors. Now, for those of you who don't know, um, tax collectors uh, in that day were not liked people. Though... Uh, it's not I, much different <laughs> today. 
We love if any of you who are listening. We first we lost our monocle people. That's right. Now we lost our tax collector. Now we lost our tax collector. Good gravy. Oh. Uh, but tax collectors, um, they were despised not just because they were tax collectors, but because they were tax collectors for a uh, foreign government, mm-hmm. um, and they were that they were being like you know essentially invaded by. And not only that, because they're, you know, they were getting, they're, they're being occupied. And so like, we're being occupied and now you're charging us for being occupied. That's the first thing. Then the second thing is they would take more uh, money than was necessarily necessary. So how they made their money was um, they, you know, Rome would say, okay, you know, charge them $5 a month. Well, how they would make their money is that like they would charge, you know, six bucks or seven bucks, whatever it is. But then many of them charge way over that um, because they were just trying to get rich off the people. And the people realized, wait a minute, you don't even have to make all this money off of us. Right. Um, but these are the kind of people that Jesus um, dined with uh, because salvation is for everybody, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah. for, for everybody who believes in the Lord, you can come to him, particularly yeah. the people who are in the margins. Because I can tell you, that's right. Uh, little Zacchaeus, there's a guy in the Bible um, mm-hmm. who, you know, swindled some people out of their money. Um, I can tell you, he was at the margins. Yeah. But when Jesus saw him and he was convinced that there's something different about this man, Jesus said, or Zacchaeus said, I'm going to give back all that I owe plus more. Mm-hmm. And so, again, for us who are uh, made, not only made in his image, but like being formed more and more in the likeness of Christ, out of the outpouring of our heart, we just see, we just, it, it almost feels like, and I told the same thing last week, so I'm not going to go over the story again, but like, you know, when you get the birds and the bees, you know, or not the birds and the bees, wait a minute, we're going to never play. <laughs> Butterflies is what I'm trying to say. Right. First, we lost first, uh, right. our multiple people. Then, then we, we lost, lost the tax collectors. Now we're losing parents that have to give the talk. <laughs> That's right. We're losing them left and right. That's right. You're going to have to find a new partner soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, when you get those butterflies in your stomach, you know, about, you know, oh, you know, hey, this girl is cute or this boy is cute and all this other kind of stuff. And you can't help but telling your family and your friends and all this other kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same way. Like when you have um, this love of Jesus that's just welling up on the inside of you, you are drawn to people who seem like they're at the margins because you want them to have a family just like you have a family. Yeah. And that's, I mean, really what Jesus taught. He said, don't like when you throw a party, don't go out and invite people that can, that you know, that can pay you back. <laughs> invite mm-hmm. the people that can't pay you back. Invite mm-hmm. the people that like, cause how much greater is it to see somebody receive something they know they cannot afford? Mm-hmm. Right. Like mm-hmm. if, um, Christopher, if you gave me, uh, like you, well, actually, I can use this proper example. You bought a meal for me while you were visiting. It was very mm-hmm. kind. I was very appreciative of it. Um, at the same time, I could afford to buy myself a meal, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, there's a level of appreciation, like there's a cap on my appreciation, almost, you know, of like. Well, thanks. Like, uh, it's really kind of you. That's a good sign of our friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but if you bought me the restaurant, <laughs> you know, and just said, hey, this whole place is rented out for you. Like, come here whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Eat as much as you want. And mm-hmm. don't worry about it. I've got it covered. That's right. Like, uh, that is beyond my comprehension. That's and right. every time I go, every time, even when I'm not going, and I just think, oh, man, I could go there. Like, what a what a crazy, like concept that somebody mm-hmm. would do that for me and that's so mm-hmm. far beyond what i'm able to accept mm-hmm. and sometimes buying a meal for somebody is that mm-hmm. um and sometimes inviting somebody to see a movie with you is that sometimes like just asking someone how their day is going is that mm-hmm. um because there are people out there that have um because there's a social capital that we don't factor when we're talking about what we're spending and what we're giving. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think attention and knowing somebody, the the feeling of being known is something that uh, it's hard to to know how to pay that back. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's ultimately the gift of God is to know. And Paul even writes like, oh, like, to the day that we can know as even we are fully known mm-hmm. um, is, is what we aspire to um, and how we communicate that uh, like matters. And I think it's, it's also, do, do you want to be known? I have, um, mm-hmm. so I was, mm-hmm. I was going to a church, um, actually speaking of your few seat story, um, I was going to a church and it was a church I was attending. I was, um, and uh and this doesn't speak to the church as a whole but mm-hmm. this is just a single situation that happened within the church um as i'm sure every church has stories of and every single one of us has stories of doing similar things like this mm-hmm. um but there was a guy that i um before church i had gone to a restaurant to get something to eat a guy was sitting outside asked me for money and i noticed he had like a grocery bag with those large cans of beer mm-hmm. in it and so I was thinking, well, I don't really want to give him money, uh, but I'm going into the restaurant. I can just invite him to come along. So he accepted and, you know, I bought a meal for him and we sat down and ate, ate together. Um, and since I was going to church, I said, hey, I'm going to church if you want to join me, you know. Um, and he accepted. He gladly accepted. So we went over um, to church um walked in sat down and he was he was a homeless man so um again understandably disheveled um had a scent about him due to just Mm -hmm. lack of clean water um ability to shower Mm -hmm. and um and he was a traveling man uh and it was summer so Mm -hmm. um but while we were sitting um during the sermon, he would lean over to me and do what he thought was whispering, right? Making comments on things that the, the, the preacher was saying and stuff like that. And then, um, but during this whole time, like after we had sat down, um, there were two ladies behind us. I noticed almost immediately started kind of like, you know, uh, looking at each other 
and I didn't think too much of it, but partway through the service, they actually moved. Um, they got up, and having grown in their, like, of, of and showing their dissatisfaction with him, like, throughout the time. Like, I, it was to the point that I'm like, I'm fully aware that they don't want him here. They finally just got up and I'm assuming moved seats, if not, you know, whatever. Um, and I'm glad that he was invested in the sermon and actually like paying attention to what was and that they were directly behind him. But, you know, how like. Um, but it's a, it's and sometimes we do things that we think other people don't know to show our dissatisfaction or disgust in some cases Mm -hmm. um i try to you know uh but i still think about that and i still think about these ladies that um didn't encourage me to bring more people to church Mm -hmm. yeah that's tough that's tough um uh, because you know you're doing uh, what you think is one of the safest things you can do, mm-hmm. the best things you can do for this man, um, bring him to a place where he can hear about Jesus. Right. And for him to have to, you know, because I'm sure if they were loud enough for you to hear him, he might I'm sure they were ignoring them. Him. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, that's another thing is he's probably the reason he didn't react might just be because he's used to being treated that way. Right. Yeah, that's right. I've had people like when they ask for money, if I don't have money on me, I said, hey, I'm sorry, man, I don't have any money. They've said they have actually been thanked for just saying that for acknowledging them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's tough. That's tough, um, particularly when, you know, we're called to, you know, wrap our arms around these kinds of people and not necessarily, you know, We're called to wrap proverbially wrap our arms around these people. Receive them, yeah. To receive receive people. Exactly. And for us to not is really tough. It's Mm -hmm. really tough. It actually reminds me of a similar story, Wesley, that um, uh, of kind of rejection of sorts. Mm. I was at um, a boot barn uh, not too long ago, actually. For those of you who are in uh, YouTube land or radio land, wherever you're hearing this. So I'm from a big city, but I think I'm a cowboy. So I got boots and buckles and hats. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. But anyway, so I was at a boot barn and these two cute, 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 older um, Black women were there shopping or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so they had left the store. Uh, and when I left the store myself, after I got my my boots, uh, I saw they were outside talking. And so I just struck up conversation. Hey, how y'all doing? All that. Right. So we were talking. And then one of the women said to me, you're a Christian. I said, yes, ma'am. And uh, we talked a little more. She said, you're a preacher. I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> And she said, well, where's your church? I said, well, I'm the church up the street, so-and-so, so-and-so forth. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of like looked at each other and said, yeah, we've been there before. I said, oh, 
well, how was your time there? So, oh, well, this was some years ago and um, uh, we just didn't feel invited. Um, so there's a part in our uh, service where um, we call, uh, we pass the peace, right? So we stand up and we shake each other's hands um, as a symbol of uh, reconciliation before we come to the Lord's mm -hmm. table. Mm -hmm. And so they said that they literally looked all around them and no one would even look them in the eye uh, or shake their hands. Oh, wow. Now, this is a church at where a church where I serve. Mm -hmm. What that did to me, it a couple things. One, um, it enraged me. Sure. Two, it saddened me. That mm -hmm. even um, at this point in our history together, that there would still be um, in one of our churches. Um, women who would not be received, looking around to be received. Right. Presumably, seeking, yeah. yeah, yeah, seeking to be received, presumably because of their skin. I can't come up, I can't think of any other uh, any other reason. Sure. They were, I mean, they were very well-dressed. I mean, they were coming from Boot Barn like I was, so they were well-dressed. So, so you know they're wearing good clothes. <laughs> yeah, I know they're wearing good clothes, uh, and they were just totally ignored. Mm -hmm. I was, uh, mm. I was, I was mortified. I was mortified. And so we spoke um, some more after that and kind of encouraged them and all that other kind of stuff. But you can tell that the damage had been done. Yep. And how many times has that happened? I think in, you know, any of our churches, any of our mm -hmm. churches, not just in um, our communion, but in uh, others all around the world, right? Where people who are the other, right? Whether sure. they're, a different skin color, whether they're a, you know, a geek, whether they're from, maybe they can have the same skin color, but they're a different ethnic group within the same mm -hmm. skin color. Yeah. And they're being rejected uh, simply for that. And they're not being seen the way Jesus sees them. Yeah. Tough. Yeah, it is tough, especially because, I mean, ultimately the church is meant to be the place of reconciliation. It is like we've been charged with the ministry of reconciliation. Right. Um, and especially if like, if the church is the body of Christ is the presence of Christ on earth and Christ is the embodiment of God and God is the refuge that we flee to from the storms of this life. We should at least be reflecting in part that refuge, right? That's right. Like we should be a place where people can go and be like, oh, this is a safe place to be. This is a good place that I can be and not have to worry about all these external factors that I usually have to worry about getting in the way of, you know, being loved. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, so we need to learn as, like, if we, you know, if we are, like, if Jesus is using us to be um, the refuge, we need to learn how to, tangible ways right to uh invite the the stranger the other the, the marginalized um to worship us right because that's all i mean worship that, that's, what did i say worship us i think you might have said worship us i know what was you that, was wesley now i don't know much about psychology is that what you call a freudian slip um, yeah maybe it didn't have to do with 
your parents, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, it might it might be what they call a Freudian slip. I don't think. Oh no! Now we're about to lose the Freudians. <laughs> I don't think it necessarily has a basis. <laughs> we're racking them up at this point. At this point. Only a pair of shoes are listening to us. That's right. Only a pair of boots. <laughs> Specifically boots. Um, which is funny because this is a episode about welcoming all <laughs> welcoming people. That's right. That's right. And we're just left and right. That's left right. and right. They're dropping like flies. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I, I mean, I guess kind of like my last thing is we just need to figure out how to do this in tangible ways, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, it seems like the most tangible way is to take like an honest interest in people sure. um, and have the compassion on them and befriend them, right? Uh, because oftentimes with people, sometimes, sometimes we get in this mode where we're, we have this kind of combative Christianity mm-hmm. where we're just you know, trying to beat people down with the truth. Sure. But the fact of the matter is many Christians who are, who become Christians as, you know, teens, adults, whatever, they become Christians uh, because they first became part of a community mm-hmm. as opposed to, oh, I believe now I'm going to be a part of a community. In many, many, many cases, the overwhelming uh, amount of cases, they're part of community first. Mm-hmm. And they come to love and, you know, uh, love this community. And then they begin to grow more and more in the Lord. Well, and ultimately, like, you need a community to continue to believe. Because uh, a lot of that is not just the encouragement of being around people, but having a place you can go to ask questions honestly. Mm-hmm. If I feel like I can trust the people around me to ask these questions that I might have um, without feeling shame or guilt for having them, mm-hmm. um I'm more likely than to like have an honest conversation with them mm-hmm. um, and to trust knowing their character that God is good. Even if I'm still kind of struggling with this, mm-hmm. this doubt, this un this unknowing within me, uh, as you referenced with the, you know, man going, uh, well, this, I think might be a different story, but the man going, asking for his daughter to be healed or whatever. Um, he says, Lord, I believe, heal my unbelief. Help my unbelief. That's right. Good, Wes. Well, we solved the world's problems yet again. Yet again. Every episode, a new world problem and a new, new people, a new group of people with specific interests that we are pushing out (laughs) from our, from our audience. Um, we apologize, um, if you like monocles, go buy a monocle. Uh, if you, you know, I don't know, all the other, other things that we talked talk about. All, of, all of the things. All, of the, all things. of the things. Look, we're all things in common. If you know someone that likes monocles, go buy them a monocle. Um, I, do you like monocles, Christopher? Buy a marginalized person a monocle. A- there we go. That's the answer. <laughs> it might work. It might. You, know, you never know. Uh, so speaking of um, a need for belonging and how the church um, 
can be a community. Next week, we're going to be talking about the topic of being uh, of singleness in the church, how the church talks about singleness and um, how it talks about marriage um, coming from the perspective of two guys that are not married. <laughs> so um, I'm not going to I'm not going to assume to be able to speak on behalf of uh, married people. Um, but I can. But can you speak as a single guy? I can speak as a single guy. That's what um, we need. That's what we need. So tune in next week if you're interested in that conversation. Uh, as always, you can reach out to us at allthingsincommonpodcast at gmail.com. And the more interactions we get on social media, uh, the more chances we will actually do uh, things with social media. <laughs> so. <laughs> that's exactly right. Well, thanks again for a great conversation. I look forward to talking again next week.